0: So, here we are. Episode 8 of the All the Good Names Are Taken podcast. It's been a fun 7 episodes so far, but this is the episode that will probably tell you what you really need to know about me. This is the episode where you're either going to say, he jumped the shark, yeah, I'm going to listen to this guy for the rest of my life, or somewhere in between. Episode 8, aka episode infinity, because of the symbol. Infinity is the eight number sideways, but really, sideways is just a matter of perspective. And remember that phrase, matter of perspective, because that's the only preview I'm giving you for this episode. The rest, you're just going to have to go down that strange weird rabbit hole with me. So, my one question is, are you ready? Recently, I went driving to a location I was unfamiliar with, so I had to utilize my GPS navigation. It was a clear night with just enough chill to remind you it's only spring in name, but enough warmth to whisper that winter has ended. It was the time of night, or day, where you can do that because the roads, which are replete with vehicles during the day, are serenely barren at this time. Say for the wayward traveler, the industrious truck drivers, and the intrepid ride-share providers plying their trade, it's just the road and I. I journey on the twilight road, in that time between dawn and the sunrise. I love this time. No, I am captured by this time. Half of the world is settling in for slumber, half of the world moments away from waking. I feel at one with twilight as it gives birth to the possibilities of the day and on this day i had many miles to keep when i traverse the highway i tend to zone out i get into a trance-like state it's not to say i don't pay attention to the road quite the opposite actually i'm hyper focused on the road the traffic patterns the cars at all sides the conditions of my own vehicle i become aware of everything now on that i'm sure i'm not alone when i drive i'm passively listening to my gps The voice is pleasant, and as a veteran driver, one isn't as hair-trigger-reactionary to their GPS. You turn as they suggest, exit where they direct. Sometimes you even ignore the advice as you're certain you know a better way. And this is my routine. But on this day, something happened. Through the trance-like state I was in, I heard a simple directive that I've heard dozens, hundreds, thousands of times before, but this time it woke me from my haze. The simple phrase was, turn here at the fork. And as I shot back into active consciousness, I thought to myself, huh, that's interesting. What does that mean? Now, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure we all know what a fork is, right? It's a utensil used to eat. It's a point in a road where you can go multiple ways, among other things. But let's get a bit more technical, shall we? A fork is an instrument having two or more prongs or tines for holding, lifting, etc., as an implement for handling food or various agricultural tools. Another definition to pierce, raise, pitch, dig, etc. Another definition to divide into branches, to turn as indicated at a fork in a road, etc. Now, these are only a handful of definitions. I'm sure you can find more elsewhere, but for the sake of this conversation, Let's limit it to this. But while wondering what fork truly means, what it truly means, I also wondered where did it come from? So I did a little digging, and the oldest use of the word, as I can find it, according to the internet, is 12th century English. Uh, Old English and Anglo French take the credit for the word forky, F O R K E, fork, but I wanted to spell it out, and Latin for for forka. F-U-R-C-A For ka. But they say that was somewhere around the 14th century So, But going down this hole, that led me to wonder further Where do words come from? And I know what you're thinking Obviously, from our brains and our mouths silly But for me, my mind always goes elsewhere It goes just in that direction when I find something interesting Of course words come from those places but how do words become words? How does an object or action become fitted with a series of sounds that becomes a name? Then that name is generally accepted by the mass public of at least that region. We know a fork as a fork. In Spanish, it's called a tenedor. In Japanese, it's called a gabu. In one dialect of Chinese, it's called a chaozu. But how did it get there in the first place? We know why words exist. It's to communicate. You can say it's to define and identify, but really, those are still forms of, of communication. And until telep- And until telepathy becomes a thing, it's our most efficient way of communication. Unless you're in a romantic relationship, then it's the most effective way of being in the doghouse. I should know, I'm in it right now. And we know what words are. Here's a boring definition word is a unit of language consisting of one or more spoken sounds or the written representation that functions as a principal carrier of meaning. So we know all that, but how did words come to be? They didn't just pop up one day and say, hey, I exist now. How did it happen? Did human beings give meaning to the various grunts, screeches, and screams they must have used to communicate with each other? How were those first words formed? And who agreed that those words were to be what was used until the end of time? Because for a word to be a word, the majority would have to agree on it. For example, I can't all of a sudden say from this day forth, a fork will be known as a plark. People would say, plark? That just sounds stupid. A fork is a fork. But guess what? If plark was always the name for that instrument, you wouldn't think it's crazy. It would just be using a plark and knife to cut your steak. You'd be coming to a Plark in the road and if some random podcaster said instead of Plark, let's call it a fork you'd call him or her crazy. But that's just it. Words only have meaning because we give them meaning. Without our meaning behind them words are just vocal noises uh, some more congruent sounding than others. Did the king decide words would be words? And while we're at it who died and made you king? And while we're at it where did the word king come from? So, okay, to not go further down this rabbit hole, I'm going to bring this topic to a landing. Why does any of this matter? Well, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to matter to you at all. Once again, like I said, it's my brain that goes there. Yours doesn't have to. But it does matter to me, and it could possibly matter to you. And from this topic, I conjecture two things. One is probably obvious from this podcast monologue so far, but I'm going to say it. All words are made up. They were created somewhere and either agreed upon or dictated to. The power in words are what we give it. That's the message. Take from it what you will. The second, let me tell you a story. A while ago, a friend had a baby. The important thing, it was a beautiful, healthy baby, and then I was told the name. They told the name to me, and my first initial thought was, what a stupid name. But, now that I think about it, how could there be such a thing as a stupid name? It's really just a name that doesn't sound right to you. But that's based on a lot of internal and external factors that were present well before you ever existed. When we judge names, we are judging others based on values that were already preset. So a name can only be stupid, or silly, or ghetto, or weird because it's defined as such. Because if certain names existed before certain other common, more acceptable names did were guess what? They would be normalized to you. A name is not less than because you add a lot in front of it. It's okay to name your child a number or a type of animal. Because names are words and words are made up. Now, to bring it back to Fork and my second overall theme of this podcast, let's go back to the definition for a second to divide into branches, to turn as indicated a path. Now, I'm someone who believes in the possibility of signs, and no, not that average movie from Midnight Shyamalan. But actual signs. Throughout my life, there have been times where I've come to forks in the road myself. And for whatever reason, for fear or for what I thought was the best choice, I would go to the part where I thought like I was making the safest, the best decision. Like my decisions until recently have always been like, Let's go for what I think is going to be the path of least resistance that's going to provide me the best possible outcome with the lowest amount of risk. And in life, that's got me some forms of success, but probably not what I feel I should have or not where I feel I should be. Now, that's not me putting a value on whether where I am in life is good or bad or where I've been in life is good or bad. You are your experiences, like a certain significant amount of what you are and who you are to this very day is what you go through. So I'm not saying I would change anything. I'm just saying that there have been times in life where I feel I was getting obvious signs and I went elsewhere, where I was getting certain signs that were like, hey, go this way. You know, maybe it, maybe it was a, Maybe it was an inkling. Maybe it was a whisper. And I was like, well, that whisper is not loud. (laughs) So let me go this other way. There's been times I've asked the universe for signs. And I feel that they've given them to me. And I've ignored them. So I think moving forward, I am going to try to actively listen to those signs that I'm provided. I'm going to actively seek that path in the fork that's not going to be the safest or maybe not even the most profitable. I'm going to seek that fork, that path in the road that's going to make me the most happy or make me the most content or the one that I think fits best. I'm not going to go for the safest route unless I feel that is the best choice given my other values so let me ask you out there those of you that have come to forks in your life because we honestly come to forks in our life all the time i would actually throw out there that we come to forks almost every single day some are non-consequential like what i'm going to have for lunch and some could have effects for the rest of your life so my question for you is how do you treat those forks you have a method or is there a pattern that now that you think about it, like, hmm, now that I think about it, I always do seem to take that way, or this always plays a part in my decision. Because your circumstances always play a part in your decision. Where you are in life will always play a part in your decisions, in those forks. And I think most of us take the fork that we've been socialized to take. Although you'd be surprised to know I have friends, I do have friends. And at one point, you know, growing up or whenever I met them in life, we, you kind of vibe with your friends on certain levels. I have a lot of friends that are conventional, but more of my friends are unconventional than are conventional. And yet I'm super conventional up to a point. A lot of times I've wanted to do so many things throughout my life, but I was really just afraid. Afraid of failure, afraid of success, afraid of leaving the familiar. To me, you can't live to make other people happy. You gotta live to make yourself happy and not actively try to get in the way of other people's happiness, not saying that, but just say you have to live with yourself 24 seven. So self-care is a thing and you always have to ask yourself the question, am I happy? Do I have the ability to make myself happy? How do I get there? But I still have to say that I'm probably one of the most conventional people I know as far as how I manifest things, as far as how I move from my day-to-day structure. On the inside, I'm a raging maniac. On the outside, I did the, went to school, got a middle-income job, rose up through the ranks, Etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Was routinely unhappy with the work that I was doing, but I was getting paid and I was comfortable enough. Girlfriend every now and again. Had a little fun here and there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Traveled just enough to say, oh, I've been a couple of places, but not enough to say I'm a world traveler. Not at all enough to say I'm a world traveler. Just kind of muddling along for me. I have a lot of other friends that, hey, listen, I'm just going to say they're not conventional. They know why they aren't conventional, and I love them for it. Even though I love my conventional friends as well. So, I always felt like, with myself, I'm at a tug-of-war with myself. Because it's like, the realist and the dreamer. And I think that's a struggle we all face. I don't think I'm unique in that way. I think I'm very much normal in that way. That we have the realist and the dreamer. Some people are in great balance. Some people are heavy realist. Other people are heavy dreamer. I am realist on the outside, dreamer on the inside. So I'm not balanced at all. My outside is 90% realist, 10% dreamer. My inside is 90% dreamer, 10% realist. So that's why all of a sudden I had a not quite like prices. And then I tried all of the stuffs, all of the stuffs. So far, many times in life, when I come to my fork that's more about living more of my truth, quote unquote, versus living more of my comfort, I choose living more of my comfort. I tentatively say, though, that's over for. Moving forward, I'm going to try to take the fork in the road, take that turn in the road that's going to... Result in me being happier. Me being more fulfilled. Me enjoying life more. Because as far as I know, we get one shot at this. Do you really have the time to waste? Do you really have time to be hung up on what could have been? If you just tried. I know I don't. I know I don't. And here's where it's going to sound... Mad conventional to a lot of other advice or things you've heard before. Life is too short to stay unhappy, life is too short to stay miserable. I know when you're in those moments, it feels like a long time like, oh man, I'm suffering forever. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not that long. Having said that, always work to find your happiness. If you can't find your happiness in work, find your happiness out of work. Find things that make you happy. Find things that make you whole and do them. Don't be tethered to this reality that you're not happy with. No matter what, you do have the power to change that. It could be overnight, probably won't be, but you can take steps. You can always take steps to become a happier person or become a person more content in life maybe your disposition isn't happy and by happy i don't mean bubbly i don't mean sunshine i don't mean i really mean beyond content with the life you're living there's going to be pain sadness and misery in everyone's life so i'm saying those moments between that why live a life that you hate Why suffer till you get to the next painful event? So I would just say, if you're fighting to live a better life, continue to fight for it. If you're not dead, if you're not dead, you're always going to come two forks in the road. There's always a chance to do something. So while you're here, do something about it. So for me, when I hit that fork in the road, and even if it's a tough decision to make, I hope... I really, really, really want the power to take hold of my own happiness. Be a little selfish there. Be a little selfish with my happiness and go for it. Now, with everyone, there's always circumstances. So I'm going to add this caveat, dot, 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 within reason. (laughs) If you're taking care of a family, you can't, unless you have ample savings and other things, you can't just quit your job, move cross-country with nothing in your pocket, and be like, we're going to make it somehow. Some people do it, but you can't plan for it, but like, oh, by this time next year, I'm going to be in a different city living this life. The kids will be well-adjusted. The husband or wife or wife or husband or husband, whatever combination you have, they're going to be happy about this. Let me give them ample time to think about it, to get on board with it, et cetera, et cetera. We all have the ability to do almost anything. We don't have the ability to do everything, though. There's not enough time for that. So what's the fork in the road in your life right now? What are you thinking about? How are you going to make that decision? And maybe most importantly, what have you learned from the decisions you've made in the past? That's the real question. Because past is prologue, unless you can learn something from it. And as I bring this podcast to a close, this episode presents for me a fork. Because this is my mind. This is my mind. The previous episodes, that's also my mind, but I go strange places. I go places a lot stranger than this, trust me. So I decided to myself, do I want to make a more conventional podcast where I talk about the topic of the day, whatever current events are, whatever happens on social media, etc., etc., or do I want to give you more of my actual self and just how this maniacal thing up here works? And I think you got my answer. So now you have a choice to make it's a simple choice it's a fork and road for you now that you know who i am eight episodes in you can decide whether you keep listening or you don't and if our journey ends here i appreciate you for listening you are the best i love you forever if you continue with me from here just know that it just gets more and more interesting from here and that interesting is subjective. That really might mean only me. Because I did take the first half of this podcast to define forks and words and names. So either way, if your journey with me ends here or not, it's been a fun ride. And remember, it's about the destination and the journey. Enjoy both. And someday, I'll see you on the road. And now, time for some outro music. Till next time.